When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. We call our early week edition the game plan. Hey, coming up this week on the game plan, we will sit down with Kevin Henry. We promised a deep dive into what went wrong with the Oklahoma Sooner basketball team. We'll get the perspective of the radio analyst on the Oklahoma Sooner radio network, Kevin Henry. Plus, Jessica Cootie was in Pittsburgh. She was embedded with the Sooner basketball team. We'll take one look back on the hoop season and one look back on the women's basketball run in the NCAA tournament with Jess coming up here in mere moments. But uh, I literally, you know, pull back the curtain here. As we tape this, it is 3.26 a.m. The Sooner softball team wrapped up an incredible run in California this week, and Oklahoma won all six games that they played. They've now won 16 in a row. They're 25-2 and two on the season, and it took 11 innings to beat CSUN today by a final score of 2-1. to one. There's an amazing story around this game, too, because due to the time that the Sooner flight was leaving, for the first time that I can remember, there was a drop-dead time. So we had a 3 o'clock Pacific time drop-dead time in order to get to the airport in time to make our flight because, obviously, you wanted to make sure you made your flight. The game was basically in the seventh inning in an hour and 55 minutes. 
but neither team was able to push across a run. So we played on through the 8th, the ninth, the 10th, and right at about nine minutes before the drop-dead time, Fale Palima of view laced a shot into right center field that scored Jocelyn Allo from first, and Oklahoma held on for the 2-1 win. We got to the airport in plenty of time, flew from L.A. to Vegas, from Vegas to Norman, and here we are with the game plan. I bring it up because I encourage everyone to get out this weekend and support this Sooner softball team. It is a huge series to open up Big 12 play against a Texas attack. They're improved from last year. Obviously, a huge matchup looming in two weeks down in Waco when Oklahoma takes on Baylor. But OU and Texas Tech in softball, Sooner is now 25-2 and on the season, and they have won 15, uh, 16 in a row. By the way, it is 33 straight road games for the Sooners that they've won. How about that? And in the very first edition of the RPI, the Sooners debuted at number eight, which is huge because you want to be in that top eight to put yourself in position to potentially host a Super Regional. And while we're handing out attaboys and kudos from the weekend that was, how about the women's golf team? They won their second tournament of the season. Men's and women's gymnastics both stay undefeated. In fact, the women's squad, K.J. Kindler's team, won two meets over the weekend. They won in Tuscaloosa on Friday, then turned around and beat TWU in Ditton on Sunday. And Skip Johnson's baseball team takes two of three from Kennesaw State. They have a huge game tonight against Wichita State. This is our first baseball broadcast of the season on the Sooner Radio Network all across the country. Make sure you also check out the TuneIn Radio app. So with all that laid out, let's get to our focus on the day. We're talking about the rough end, the challenging stretch for the OU men's basketball team and its early exit from the NCAA tournament. Joining us right now on the Sooner Sports Podcast is the radio analyst on the Sooner Radio Network. He is Kevin Henry, one of the all-time greats from behind the three-point arc, and we're proud to have him as part of our team. Kevin, first and foremost, what a fun tournament so far. You know, outside of the disappointment of Oklahoma being eliminated from the NCAA tournament, uh, this has been a blast to watch with a little history, a 16-over-1, Loyola Chicago making a run. Uh, the Cinderella's definitely been the story of this postseason of this edition of March Madness. Oh, for sure, Chris. I mean, it's an unbelievable term. It's an unbelievable time of year. This is what makes it so much fun because you have, you know, all the upsets and all the, the games. And if, you, if you're a college basketball fan, this is, again, your favorite time of year. And, you know, these types of things don't happen in a series. So if you're talking, you know, NBA and stuff like that, in a seven, five or seven-game series, you don't get this type of upsets and things. But in a one-game deal – Anything can happen, and it's so much fun watching the underdogs and, and the, the teams that you, you may have never heard of go out there and just lay it all on the line, which is what you have to do this time of year. You can't hold anything back. If you're going to be the number one seed, you just got to go out there and play. And to watch UMBC, um, what they've done, and just any of those teams, Loyola, Chicago, it's just been uh, fantastic. Great weekend. I have friends that are just glued to the screen and, and watching – you know, all the basketball games and stuff like that. So it's a lot of fun. Well, let's focus on the Crimson and Cream, Kevin. Obviously, I know that there is a lot of questions you get. People want to know what went wrong. To me, when, when I'm asked, hey, it's not just one thing. This was a team that 
as most teams need, needed to make shots, and it didn't happen at times. So it's not one thing I think we can point a finger at, but when people ask, hey, Kevin Henry, what went wrong with this Sooner basketball team, what's been your response? Well, it's, it's, that's a tough question, and, and you're exactly right. There's not one thing. I mean, you, you have seasons like this. I mean, you know, you think about, you know, teams that, that go the whole season that are highly ranked and things like that and then get upset like they've done here in the tournament. I mean, it's just, it's just a, a number of things. I mean, having a guy like Trey Young on your team is, as you know, it's as awesome as of a season as he had. I mean, he's just one player. So you think about, you know, the guys that we had coming back this year, uh, the core of that team, we really just added one guy. And then, you know, it's just been a, it's been a, a crazy season. And I think the first time through conference, the guys did good. I mean, the Sooners played well. They, they scored buckets. They, they made shots. They did certain things. And then what happens is the second time through, obviously it got a lot tougher on us and, and teams adjust, of course, as you knew they would and, and uh, just made it harder. And when you have such a big time core of young people like the Sooners had this year, it's, it's, uh, it's hard because those, those freshmen haven't been through the fire like like some upperclassmen have been through and and you're seeing that now because you got upper class you got teams that have guys that's played 100 games they've been through some of these things before so when games are close or when you know shots aren't falling they know what to do i think you know year 2 and 3 for for some of these big time freshmen would be be a huge advantage for them now i don't know if Trey stays and i don't know if any of these other freshmen around the country end up staying and doing a, a second year in in school but um, there's there's a lot to be said for that, and you think about the Big 12 and all the the senior guards that that are in the league, and how you know how good they are. It's just a it's a tough deal. So there's no one pinpoint thing like, hey, this is this is what went wrong. You can't put put a finger on it like that because you know I felt like the guys the Sooners this year made some adjustments and and tweaked some things throughout the season, and Coach Kruger and his guy his staff did the same thing with their lineups and stuff like that, which you know saw some glimpses of hope and, and stuff like that down the stretch, but then it just kind of it, it went away. So, But, again, you have seasons like this. There's nothing to, to fret about. I mean, you just, you just move on and you just try to keep getting better. You know, uh, against Rhode Island, I saw a team that played with heart. I saw a team that played with energy. I saw a team that didn't want to go home. Kind of an odd makeup from the perspective of a team who's – offense seemed to set up its defense. I mean, that's very unique in the world of basketball. But, Kev, I hate people who question effort because I think that's a big mistake that we make sometimes as fans. And I saw a team that played valiantly out on the court Thursday. Well, you don't – you never want to judge someone's effort. If you're, you know, someone from the outside looking in or even if you're a coach of the team, if you tell your guys you're not playing hard, then you just don't know what's inside of them and – some some guys may be playing hard, you know. I mean, they you don't know what what they're how they're playing or what their barometer is of playing hard. So, um, you, you rarely do you want to try to question that. But yes, you're right. You saw some fight. You saw some grit. Um, I said it all season long that this Sooner team used its offense to create its defense, which is almost reverse uh, of what you kind of want. You want to you want to let your defense um, create your offense. Meaning, you know, you get stops on one and you go down and score. But what the Sooners would do, and this is what happens when you're as, as lights out of a shooting team as we were this year, especially early on in the in the beginning of the season, that gets you fired up. So when you're making shots and you're fired up on the other end of the court, which 
is okay if you're making shots and things, but it, it becomes a challenge if you're not making shots. What are you going to do to stop the other team? You got to, you know, I felt like we could score, but we just couldn't make the stops that were needed in some of the games that we needed to. So, um, it, yeah, you never want to question a team's, you know, effort and stuff like that. So, but you're right. You, we saw the fight, especially against Rhode Island. And I tell you, it was one of the best three or four days of practice. Now, uh, that we had, what I was referring to is the game, the practices before the NCAA tournament. I mean, those guys were, were flying around the court. They were doing things that I hadn't seen them do in a long time, um, getting on the floor for loose balls. They're, they're doing all those little things that, that we always talk about, especially I talk about on, on the broadcast with Toby. Just Those are the things you want to see. And it just it just happened that, yes, we had a little bit of a break. I thought that break was going to do us some good, get some legs back under us, get us a second win and things like that. But, you know, we just couldn't quite make the shots. I mean, to go four for 20 from the three, it's hard to win like that. And then to turn the ball over, that overtime had some turnovers in it that I felt like we shouldn't have had. But we were forcing Rhode Island to turn the ball over. So, I mean, it was a back-and-forth game, obviously overtime and, and things, but just didn't quite fall. And so, you know, you just kind of shake your head and say, you know, we got to get better. And every single player to a man on that team has got to get in the gym this, this spring and summer and, and work on their – their craft and, and just start working and getting better, doing all the little things that it takes. And again, you know, getting stronger in the weight room, I think that'll help, especially some of the younger guys that really hadn't had a chance to, to do a lot of that. Get in there and, and really work hard. And that's how you have special seasons. And, and obviously, getting a year older, you know, that's how you have the, the teams like Oklahoma's had before, where you've gone to the Final Four and things like that. You get some upperclassmen, you get some guys that want to work hard and and uh, really put in the work, and it starts in the summertime, as everybody says, and then you, you start to see the benefits later in the season. All right, you've been through some off-season pushes. What's the biggest challenge ahead for this team and for these individuals as they prepare for 2018-2019? In other words, what's the focus for these guys in the off-season, and it starts now, right? It is. It is. And it is a lot about individual improvement. So, you know, if you're Coach Kruger and his staff, you're visiting with the guys about the things that they need to work on. Um, and, and you can do that a number of different ways. Obviously, you can show everybody a stat sheet and say, here's what, you're, here's what you shot from three this year. Here's what you shot from, from the free throw line. Here's what, you know, you did. Here's how many rebounds and blocks and points. And you can show people stat sheets, but then you can also show them on, on tape. You know, you pop out the tape and you show clips of, you know, eight or 10 or 12 possessions that were fantastic. The things that Jamani McNeese might have done that were just unbelievable plays and say, hey, this is what we need more of. And then show him plays where he got pushed off the block or where he, he went to the, his, his second move instead of using his first move right away, you know, and things like that. Hey, go to your first move or don't get pushed off the block here. And then obviously getting in the weight room with, with Bryce and the strength coaches and stuff like that, working on those types of things and then getting in the gym all, a lot of individual improvement, but what's the most important thing that, that I'll say is getting with your teammates and dragging them in there with you. You know, if, if you're Cam Augusta, you want to grab Christian Doolittle by the hand and say, come on, we're going to the gym. Or if you're Brady Manick, you're grabbing, you know, somebody else. You, you just kind of just grab people and everybody holds everybody accountable and you get in there and you work together. You work out together and you mix your groups up and so that every single person is getting used to catching passes from each other and shooting from each other and, and getting a feel of, hey, this is where he makes shots from the catch. If he catches it low, it's hard from the score. If he catches it high, it's easier from the score. You know, those different types of things that you almost learn 
subconsciously, just by being around each other and being in a gym with one another, those are things that really pay off, and, and nothing does that better than just time. And when you have a young team, it's hard to get that time just because the, the, the Trays and Bradys and those guys hadn't played the 120 games like a Javon Carter or, or you know Keenan Evans at Tech and those guys. So when you see them advance in the tournament, you say, hey, those guys have been doing this for a while, and we've got you know a bunch of young guys that haven't. And even some of our juniors on our team, Rashard Odoms, he didn't play a ton on that, that Final Four team. So he didn't get the reps that maybe a, another junior at another school across the country might have gotten his freshman and, and sophomore year. So it's just a, it's a number of things. I think a lot of it has a lot of uh, individual responsibility to it, but a lot of it's, you know, coaches going to get with them and, and hold them accountable and stat everything and how many times you're in the gym and, and just, you know, make a, make a goal for every guy to get in there. And it's not just, Hey, I went to the gym today. It's, you know, I went and lifted this morning. I ran this afternoon. I shot, you know, this evening. And then we had pickup games, you know, late night or something like that. It's, it's a four time a day uh, process that you get in there and you work on your game individually and with a teammate or two that really can, can separate these guys from the competition next year. I think we have the best analysts in the country on the Sooner Radio Network from what Teddy and Coach provide on the football field. Uh, Ross Hubbard, George Frazier on baseball, uh, having all of the great former Sooner softball players, Destiny Martinez, Savannah Long, uh, Tori Nershall, and then right there at the top of the depth chart is the great Kevin Henry and his perspective on hoops. Good stuff on the, uh, on the Sooners from the analyst on the Sooner Radio Network. Let's stay with hoops. Jessica Cootie joins us now on the game plan, and Jess was in Pittsburgh embedded with the Sooner basketball team. Jess, what, what was the experience like, PPG Payne Arena, enjoying the NCAA tournament? I always have a blast covering these events. How was it for you? Uh, there, there weren't a whole lot of OU fans there, and Rhode Island had a, had a decent like, – had a little section behind their bench, but it really started filling in probably around halftime of OU's game. There's a lot of Duke fans there, obviously. And what I thought was cool, and I was telling, I'm actually in Sentinel America the next two days because um, uh, the Power University of Oklahoma is closed currently. So I'm uh, hanging out <laughs> down here. But I was talking to my parents about that, and I was saying that, um, you know, it was really cool to be a part of an environment where, like, everybody was cheering for both teams. You know, it was like, because it was such a good game that it was like, you know, that when. Trey would do something down the stretch. Everybody would, you know, like gasp and, and then cheer because what he was doing was, was unbelievable. But then when Rhode Island would hit a big shot, everybody would go crazy too. So it was kind of unique in the fact that, like, you know, it was everybody was just cheering because it really was a great game. It was a fun game to watch. And, you know, I had mentioned this on Friday. You know, I thought Oklahoma played a pretty good game. They just didn't hit shots down the stretch. You know, I thought they – played pretty good defensively, um, you know, and and the effort was there, and, and they out-rebounded Rhode Island, and, and, you know, they played a good game. They just didn't make the shots they needed to down the stretch, uh, you know, besides Trey. So, um, you know, leading up to it, it's always a fun experience. It's kind of unique in the fact that it was kind of a team that was about split or a little bit more, but a little bit more maybe towards the inexperience, but you know, you had several guys that had been in that type of environment that had gone through, you know, the NCAA tournament. And then you had guys that, you know, had never been there before. Brady Manick was telling me, um, you know, this is 
it's surreal for me because a year ago I was sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings trying to watch as many games as I could on the TV, and now here I'm playing in one of them. So I think it was it's um, you know, going to be pay dividends for this team. I was talking with uh, Chris Crutchfield um, before they played the game and talked about you know how important this just getting into the tournament and experiencing it is for because there's a young core coming back. I mean they got one senior regardless of what Trey does for the most part most most of this team is coming back. So for them to have that kind of experience is huge. You look at when they were a number five seed and got beat out by uh, North Dakota state. Um, and, and the, the difference between that team that got beat that year and the next year was huge. So I think uh, this will pay huge dividends for this team when you're starting to talk about how they prepare for the next year and then how they handle big situations in the next year. You know, we had Kevin Henry on a little bit earlier. I'll pose to you the same question I posed to him. Not one thing you can really point a finger at, but where did it go wrong for the Sooners? What was their fatal flaw in your opinion? You know, again, this is a team that needed to hit shots. And when they don't hit shots, they don't do well. And it's in all categories. You know, it's um, it's not like, um, you know, on the offensive end, they're, they're a shooting team, and when you aren't shooting the ball well, things don't go well on in every area. I mean, you look at the rebounding, the defense, uh, you know, even just finding a way to score outside of the three-point shot. You know, they struggled with that when it wasn't when it wasn't falling. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it them not when they don't shoot the ball well, it, it, it affected everything that they did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely think that was a huge part of it. That's it. It is. It's it's usually opposite of that, but. Um, you know, I, I did think that they kind of stepped it up and, and played better defensively. I mean, Rhode Island hit some shots that were just unbelievable that, you know, I mean, they were a fun team to watch, but, man, I don't know if they hit, you know, those shots again in their lives. So, you know, I, I think for the most part, they played a lot better defensively, and I was really impressed with Christian James' defense uh, in that game in the second half especially. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they realize how important that is down the stretch, and I think that will be something that will be a huge focus for this team in the offseason. You know, everyone focuses on Trey Young, and understandably so, the historic season as a freshman. I don't know how much you were able to talk to Trey afterwards, but I thought he handled everything with class, didn't make it about himself, made it about his teammates. But did you get a sense that there was a timeline or what his plan was going forward for his decision? Yeah, no, I mean, I listened to his press conference and then, you know, when he met with the reporters and it didn't seem like, you know, there was a set time. I mean, I think maybe, um, you know, I think what's kind of cool and great about what they've done recently is, you know, guys can go and see where they're projected, talk to some people, and then... um, you know, uh, make their decision from there. I don't know. I, I don't want to even speculate on, on what his kind of um, decision relies upon or the timetable that surrounds it. Um, but I would think that he probably wouldn't drag it out. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that for sure. I haven't been told one, one way or another. But I would think that we would find out within the next couple of weeks. I could be completely wrong, but I would think that it would be – I, I don't think he would drag it out. I really don't. Yeah, and, and speaking of it, I mean, I'm not trying to 
put words in Trey's mouth or anything, but man, he was asked a lot of different ways. He was asked <laughs> a lot of the same question over and over, but I thought, I thought he stayed classy with it, Jess. It was all about his teammates. He wasn't necessarily focused on his future. He was focused on his, his team and his teammates. Yeah. And that's so hard because you think about it again, he's 19 years old and, and there are, these reporters are asking him in any which way they can to get any sort of lead, you know, I mean, anything that they, they, they're basically asking the same question rephrased 18 times, you know, and trying to get him to bite and say anything at all that could lead them to maybe some speculation. And he just, you know, maintained that I'm not worried about that right now. And, you know, I think that's kind of been for this whole season. I think, you know, he's been, he's had to deal with that. And, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, I mean, he, he, talked about the roller coaster but I think for him because I got a chance to talk to him before you know the um, big 12 tournament and you know he talked about how he wouldn't trade any of it you know I mean I do think that he had a lot of fun this year and enjoyed you know coming to kind of coming on the scene and surprising some people and people not expecting him to do what he's done I think he's kind of um enjoy being able to do that and and that when when they were playing really well I mean man they were having a lot of fun and you know I I I think what he said about you know they did they fought they fought till the end and so I think you know for him he's he's I think there are a couple people that wrote about how he wasn't didn't seem very down about it but I don't that that's one thing about Trey and I talked to him about this I mean I feel like for him this whole year no matter what has happened, whether it's very good or very bad, he stays pretty even killed. You know, he's not one that really he gets too high or gets too low. And so I felt like people were maybe looking into him not being very low after that game, but that's how he's been all season. And and I, I think that's huge for him being 19 years old that he maintains being pretty even killed. I think that's pretty remarkable because you could very easily get too high or very, very easily get too low. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't think you could really read into anything that he really said or did. You know, probably going into it, no matter what happened, he was probably pressed to say, you know, meaning himself, he probably made sure himself was ready to um, answer any questions that were going to come his way. He knows the drill now. By this point, right. he knows what's going to happen. So I'm sure he made very sure of himself that how he was going to handle and answer all of those barrage of questions that were going to try to get him to lean one way or the other. So as difficult as it was, I could imagine, Jess, to be there watching the Sooner men's hoops team come to an end. I know your passion for women's basketball. Uh, it, it had to be hard to watch things end the way they did for Sherry Cole and a Sooner women's basketball team that fought so hard down the stretch to put themselves in position to make a run and just came up short. Yeah, they they fought till the very end. But again, you're looking at a team that well, they're they're making more shots and and you know they're making shots that uh, you know at times when uh, oh you needed to make a shot and you know yeah I mean DePaul was um, that's what they do and they talked about that going into it is they shoot the three and they shoot the three very well I mean I think they were um, like twenty three threes away from breaking the all time NCAA record for a team hitting three wow um, in a season. So, and they probably got very close to that, uh, even despite losing yesterday to Texas and I'd be anxious to see how many they hit in the last two days. But, you know, that was something that they were going to have to stop. And 
you know, there were times that OU had a hand in their face and had a hand up, and they DePaul still knocked them down. And so, you know, again, it's just tough. It's tough when a team can do that and when they're on like that, and, and that's what DePaul did, and that, they knew that going into it. But, man, the way that that team fought and, and clawed and scratched their way to even get into the tournament to keep the streak alive and see what those especially that senior class has done throughout the time that they've been here, I mean, you can't, you know, say enough positive and, and things and be proud of them for the way that they, they closed it out. But, man, what a bright future, right? I mean, this this team has an incredible class coming in, and I can't wait to see imp- the improvement of an Anna Anus and a Shayna Pellington and, Ma- and Mandy Simpson going forward. The, the top-rated signing class since they've had since uh, Danielle Robinson's signing class. Wow. Uh, they uh, they're very very excited about this freshman class. It's a lot of a lot of guards, a lot of quick guards. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they you know work it out without having you know you have EJ coming back, but um, you know EJ and Mandy are are basically it when you you're talking about playing down low, and Mandy's really not like a five. So it'll be interesting to see how they work that all out and how that kind of shakes out. But I know they're very very excited about the signing class. Um, they got some some big time talent coming in. So and then yeah, you look at what Shane Appellington, the Big Twelve Player of the Year, and Ana Yunusa did this year as freshmen and how much they've grown. I mean, expect to see even bigger things from them. I, I do. I think the future is going to be bright for uh, for that group of you know young players. And um, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be fun to see how they they kind of all gel together. All right, don't forget Jess's podcast with Meg McDonald will drop on Wednesday morning. So that'll be tomorrow morning, and their special guest is Sooner Softball Director of Operations, Jackie Livingston. Well, that'll do it for this week. Uh, this week's edition of The Game Plan. We'll be back on Wednesday with Jess and Meg, and then Toby returns to the Sooner Sports Podcast this Friday. The tailgate will get you ready for a big weekend on the diamond baseball and softball opening up conference play until then have a great week and boomer sooner everybody this has been the sooner sports podcast make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at soonersports.tv slash podcast and make sure to follow us on twitter at ou on the air Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.